Today on how to stand strong against the enemy, I'm teaching on the armor of God. We need this teaching more than ever. Thank you for being with me. Thank you for being my wonderful family and partners. I pray the Lord today will use this teaching to really uplift you and strengthen you and make you strong in Jesus. Wonderful Lord, thank you for your promises. Thank you for your word. Blessed Holy Spirit, be our teacher today in Jesus' name. And God's people said amen. All right, let's go to Ephesians chapter 6 one more time. Beginning at verse, at verse 10, finally, my brethren. Now, when Paul says finally, he's, he's giving us an urgent reminder. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Strong in the Lord means communion, means fellowship with him. So we draw on his strength to defeat the enemy. And then he says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles or schemes of the devil. God supplies it, we wear it. God gives it, we put it on. And it's called the armor of God. In other words, he put it together and gives it to us. And now it says to stand. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Here we see the five divisions of the devil's army. Number one, demons, they're not flesh and blood. Number two, principalities or chief rulers of the highest rank. Number three, powers or sergeants. The Greek word is exousias. Number four, rulers of the darkness of this world, meaning people God, uh, sorry, people the enemy uses against us. And number five, spiritual wickedness in high places. Satan copied the angelic hosts because in the angelic hosts there are five divisions. There are seraphs, cherubs, living creatures, archangels, and angels. One day I'll teach on that, but not now. And the devil copied that, and he has his five divisions. Verse 13, wherefore, and of course I went through that with you yesterday, so I'm just continuing. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand. Stand means don't advance, just protect your territory. God has given us territory, we protect it, we keep it. Don't go into territory God has not given us. So this is not about advancing and winning the loss, this is about standing and keeping what God gave you as a believer so you will not fall. Because you see, these, these divisions of the devil's army want to destroy our soul. They're not fighting us physically. They're spiritual beings, invisible beings, coming to destroy our soul, not harm our body, but really our soul. So it says very, very clearly, stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins. So stand. Keep your territory. And then it says, having your loins girt about with truth. Now, I, I told you yesterday, your loins deal with your mind, your mind, okay? So Paul says, in view of the fact, wherefore, wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. So in verse 13, he says, in view of the fact we have all these enemies, take unto you the whole armor of God. So not just a part, but the whole thing. And then you've got to stand, having your, your, your mind. Uh, this is very important. So let's go 
to, uh, to something very, very important that I want to talk about again. Because when, when, when people read the mind or when they, when they read the loins girt about with truth having on, uh, you put on this belt of truth. And in Peter, which I showed you yesterday, the, the, the belt is the belt of truth or the word around your mind because it says girt your mind, uh, the, the, the launch of your mind, which I gave you yesterday. But let's just go from there because there's a lot of information. I don't want to repeat what I said yesterday. And having on the breastplate of righteousness. All right. Now, the scripture I just gave you is 1 Peter 1, 13, but we go from there. Because now the second piece of the, of the armor is the word of truth in your heart. So it says, put on the belt of truth. God's word is the belt of truth. John 17, 17, your word is truth. And now that same word has got to get into our hearts. And remember what I, what I told you yesterday, and I'm reading verse 14 here, but I told you yesterday about Psalm, Psalm 37. This is where we stopped yesterday. Psalm 37 and verse 31. It says, the law of his God is in his heart. None of his steps will slide. So the breastplate is that righteousness that's produced by the word of God in us. Now, let me just slow down a little bit and say something I've got to say again. When we read the Bible, we read it first to regulate our minds, to control our thoughts. That's how we put the belt of truth around our mind. Then that word, as we meditate upon it, gets into our heart. When it gets into our heart, we will not fall. The law of his God is in his heart. None of his steps will slide. So it says, put on the whole armor of God that you may stand. Without the armor, people will fall, people will fail against the devil. With the armor, they cannot fall or fail because the armor keeps you standing. The first piece of the armor, the belt around your mind, the, the word of God, the truth of God's word around your mind. Piece number two, the word is in your heart now, protecting your heart. So you'll not fall, you'll not slip. And it brings the righteousness of God into your life. And you remember yesterday, I showed you First Thessalonians. Uh, this is what I, just before I said goodbye to you, I showed you verse, uh, verse 8 of First Thessalonians 5. It says, let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for the helm of the hope of salvation. So here it says we have to be sober, meaning we have to take it seriously. Uh, our commitment must be serious. Living righteously, must, we must be serious about it. Living a holy life, we are serious. So we put on this, this uh, breastplate of righteousness, and Paul explained it in the book of Acts, verse 20, uh, sorry, chapter 24, and verse 16, Paul says something really powerful. Herein do I exercise myself. Herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense 
toward God and men. To have a righteous heart means we have to exercise ourselves that we will not offend God at any time or offend his people at any time. And only the word can produce that in us. Only the word can cause us to exercise ourselves to have a conscience void of offense toward God, to not sin against him, that is. All right, now let's go from here back to Ephesians chapter 6, and we continue now with verse 15. Now remember, I can't rush this teaching. It's very important that we really see every piece of the abacus. All right, piece number 3, verse 15, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. All right. This is uh, hard for some people, but it really is not that hard to understand. Our feet carry our body from place to place. So what are wh- what is Paul meaning by your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace? Okay. Let's go to Psalm 119. I want to show you something maybe you never thought about. Psalm 119, verse 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Wow. Your word, Lord, is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And Paul says in Ephesians 6, 15, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And that has to do with God's word directing our wills. The activities of our soul. This is our doing the word, walking according to the gospel. Because the gospel is not just good news to the sinner, but it rules our conduct. As believers, we have to obey the gospel. Now, some have thought, and even I did years ago, that this has to do with me preaching the gospel. I came to the conclusion that this has nothing to do with preaching the gospel. This has to do with living the gospel, obeying the gospel, Letting the gospel affect my conduct as a Christian. Letting the gospel affect my walk with God. That I would walk according to the gospel as a believer by obeying the gospel. So what does the gospel require of me? To deny self. To take up the cross daily and follow Jesus. The gospel isn't just go preach it. It's also live it. Because now, remember, this has to do with standing, not advancing, not winning the lost. I have to protect the territory God gave me to walk in as a believer. Because Satan and his forces are out to attack my faith and produce doubt to attack my peace and cause confusion. 
to attack my righteous walk and cause me to fall into sin. Peter said that the enemy is seeking whom he may devour. Paul here is talking to believers in Ephesians 6, where he says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Make sure your communion with him is strong. That's what in the Lord means. Make sure your fellowship is strong in the Lord because to be strong in the Lord means we draw from him, uh, the strength from him, uh, the might from him. Now we put on the armor because he said, look, you're fighting against demons and principalities and powers and wicked people and spiritual forces that are wicked. So you got to stand, hold your ground. Don't advance. Don't take territory. God hasn't yet said go and do it. You stand where you are. You protect what God gives you as a Christian. Don't go back into the world. So when I read this years ago, I thought, you know what? This kind of doesn't really add up. Like your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. I'm thinking, does it mean I go preach the gospel? And then as I got older in the Lord, I'm thinking, wait a minute. The gospel is not just about preaching to the sinner. The gospel is also about helping me walk and live right with God. Jesus said, deny yourself. Carry your cross. Follow me. That's also the gospel. That's obeying the gospel. That's living the gospel. And that's what I mean, what I believe this means. It's to do with our will. That the word of God should fill our mind, should fill our hearts, and should fill our walk. The way we walk, the way we live the Christian life. That's what I believe it, it, it means. And this is years, I mean, you know, it's taken me years to really get this. But look at verse 16. Above all, above all, meaning now you have a shield over your inner man. Look, he talked about the mind, the word in the mind, the word in the heart, the word in the, your, God's word in your walk, in your life as a Christian. That's your inner man. Then he says, above all, meaning now you shield your inner man with faith. Above all, taking the shield of faith. And the shield of faith is something you control. A shield means when the enemy is shooting his fiery darts or missiles or arrows, you can stop him whether low or whether high. You can move that shield from position to position. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench or put out the fire, the fiery darts of the, of the wicked. So this is really important not to talk about. So taking the shield of faith, meaning that we shield like with a canopy, our minds, our heart, and our walk. And for that to happen, faith must be exorcised. Now, in ancient times, in ancient times, when armies would, choose, uh, would shoot fiery arrows, they would go up in the air and come down, and the soldiers would have to protect their heads from those arrows hitting their head, or their body, or their legs. 
So that shield of faith is movable. The shield of faith is, okay, I'm, I'm alert to where those darts are coming from, and I'm going to stop them before they touch my life, before they attack my mind and my heart and my walk, you see? So it says that faith must be exercised for the inner man, for the mind, for the heart, and for the walk to be protected and guarded, you and I must exercise our faith. How? By being fully persuaded. Listen to me. By being fully persuaded of the divine inspiration of the scriptures. I cannot exercise faith in the word if I don't believe it. I must be fully persuaded of its divine inspiration, of its reliability as God's word. I cannot resist the devil. That's what the word stand, by the way, means, resist. I cannot stand and resist the devil. I, I cannot quench all his fiery arrows at me if I don't believe, if I'm not persuaded of the divine inspiration of Scripture. And that only comes by studying the Bible, not hearing preachers tell me what they think. So it is not the mind, it is not the heart, it is not the walk that can put out the fiery darts of the wicked. It is faith in the word, in the reliability of the scriptures. That's how we put out the darts of the, uh, fiery darts of the wicked. I cannot fight Satan with my mind or heart or walk. I fight him with my faith. In the word that's in my mind. In the word that's in my heart. In the word that is affecting my walk. I can use my faith in that word that has filled my heart, mind, and walk to stop those arrows. So I have to exercise my faith in the word that's already in my heart, mind, and walk. You see the difference? So I cannot put out those fiery darts with my mind, heart, or walk, but my faith in what is in my mind, my faith in what is in my heart, my faith is in what, what's in my and that's the word of God. So if faith is not exercised within me, I can't do it. You and I can never can never win unless we're persuaded of the of the fact that the word of God is inspired by the Holy Spirit. It is holy writ, holy scriptures that cannot be questioned. How can people fight the devil? How can they resist, resist the devil, I should say? How can they stand against his attacks if they question the Bible? He'll knock them out in no time. He'll defeat them in no time. So remember, it is the shield is what we take hold of. And, and I take hold of something that I believe will work. That's the word of God. 
we raise it, we lower it uh, as needed to, pr to protect our life, and we quench by appropriating the word. We quench the fiery darts by acting on the word. And that's number four. Let's look at, and, and that's why he, he says in verse 16, above all, above all, take in the shield of faith. Now let's look at verse 17. Verse 17 is the fifth piece of the armor. And take the helmet of salvation. Helmet of salvation. All right. What is the, help, the, the, the helmet of, of salvation? Well, the helmet of salvation doesn't mean I'm saved, I'm saved, I know I'm saved. I thought that what I got saved. You know, the helmet meaning that I know I'm in. No, no, it doesn't mean that at all. The helmet of salvation is mentioned, and we just read it earlier, but let's go back to it. In 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 8, notice what it says. Let us who out of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for the helmet, the hope of salvation. Ah, now we have something, something to look at, the hope of salvation. All right. <clears throat> this puts the future. This, this, uh, this puts salvation in the future, not the past. Because the hope of salvation doesn't deal with that I'm saved and I'm in. It's that I'm looking forward to my salvation. Because hope is in the future. If, if, if the word of God weakens in somebody, in their mind, heart, and walk, weakens their faith, uh, hope, hope is gone. So the exercise of hope has to do with the anticipation of what? The coming of the Lord. So the hope of salvation has nothing to do with the helmet of salvation, which we just read in 1 Thessalonians 5, 8, is the hope of salvation, has nothing to do with I'm saved, I'm in. It has to do with I'm looking for the coming of the Lord. I have my eyes on the coming of the Lord. And that's a weapon against the devil because he can't knock me out if I'm looking up. Hallelujah. Let's look at 1 John chapter 3. I'm, listen, listen, I'm going to give you scriptures for everything. So you can check me out, okay? If I say something and the Bible says, you know, something different, you, you believe the Bible, not me. It says this, Beloved, 1 John 3, 2 and 3, Now are we the sons of God, it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him, aha, it's about the second coming now, isn't it? The hope of salvation is the hope of being rescued from this world. For our salvation is near now, Romans says. So the hope of salvation is the hope that is in him. Every minute had this hope that the Lord is coming, that hope is in him. Purifies himself even as he is pure. Now look, look at Romans 8 that even confirms that further. You see what Bible study does? Bible study clears up everything. 
it puts that word in you. It becomes strong in you. All right. Let's read, let's read verse 23 through 25 of Romans 8. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption of what? The redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope. Saved by hope. But hope that is seen is not hope for what man seeth. Why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, the Lord coming, then do we with patience wait. <laughs> we wait for the coming of the Lord with patience. So when you put all this together, that's what Paul means by the hope of salvation. The hope of salvation is that we are looking for the coming of the Lord. So when you read verse 17 and you take the helmet of salvation, wow, that looking for the Lord. And then piece number six, I'll have to wait to discuss tomorrow because it's very loaded on this one. Because now we, we talk about the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So I'm going to finish on that tomorrow. You know, most times I teach two parts. This one is so long, I'm going to teach it in three parts. So tomorrow, I'm going to talk about the sword of the Spirit. And then we're going to talk about the last piece of the armor. All prayer. All prayer. There's more than one kind of prayer. All prayer. So let's just stop here. We continue tomorrow because I give you a lot to think about. Lord, bless your people with your word. Strengthen them in the faith. Let their faith, Lord, come alive in what you've put in them, your word in their mind and in their heart and in their walk. Let that faith come alive in them, Lord, in the name of Jesus, to stop every fiery dart of the wicked, to quench it. It will never touch them. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Okay, we continue tomorrow. We wrap it all up tomorrow for you. And you'll get the whole, I'm going to give you the whole thing tomorrow in one wrap. You're going to love it. And then we're going to talk about the last two pieces of the armor. All right, it's time to give to the Lord's work. And I'm going to ask you to sow today generously. I want you to increase the seed you sow. Lift up the level of your faith. It's not the amount, it's the level of faith it produces. It's the amount of faith it produces. God spoke to me years ago to raise my level of giving. I had to have faith for that, but I didn't, I, I, it was hard to find it, to be honest with you. But as I just said, okay, Lord, I'm stepping out in faith. I want to step out in faith. And I began sowing. It changed everything. Changed everything. And I have not given anything less since because I went up in my, in my altitude of faith. You know, sometimes when, you, when, when you're flying, you notice like if there's a storm or clouds or turbulence, the pilot will increase, will go higher and, and increase the fuel going into the engines to lift up that plane. You can feel it going up. And sometimes we have to increase that fuel in us.
is a little higher above the turbulence of life. Are you having turbulence today in your finance? Go to higher altitude. Listen, I'm talking to somebody who needs this. Go to a, to a higher altitude by increasing your fuel, increasing the amount you give to the Lord. Because sometimes when there's trouble, you have to sow a little more. What, what did Paul say? He said, if we sow sparingly, we stay in that level. If we sow bountifully, we go to a higher level. And there are people who have not gone any higher than their level where they, they, they've been in turbulence after turbulence after turbulence. It's time to be free from the turbulence and go to higher altitudes in your faith and see the blessings of God and the prosperity promise come your way. I just gave an amount to the ministry. And to my amazement, I got two checks I wasn't looking for. Two, not just one. I, I wasn't expecting those two checks. One came from the publisher, from Harper Collins and Har Harper and Collins, because the books are still selling. Good morning, Holy Spirit, and the anointing. I really wasn't expecting the amount to be so good. So here, those books have been selling. I I I wrote Good Morning in the early nineties. It's still selling to this day. Now, you know, they pay me twice a year, and I just gave an, an amount to the ministry not long ago. And suddenly, wham, in my account shows up this <laughs> blessed account of money from the publisher I wasn't expecting. And then I got another amount I wasn't expecting either. So I'm thinking, okay, you know, God has promised it. I've seen it happen throughout my life. Whenever I give and I step out in faith, the harvest is there. And when God speaks to you, he has a harvest in mind. When God speaks to you, there's a harvest on the way. So do it, do it now. Father, bless them. In Jesus' name, prosper them, increase them. No lack in their life for your glory. Amen. Okay, you can sow on the platform you're, 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 you're watching. You can sow by going to our website, benahin.org. You can sow by texting BHM 45777. All right, I'll see you tomorrow, and we finish the teaching tomorrow. You're going to love it. Bye-bye. I love you.